Welcome to the Business Journals Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Noto. Today's guests are Lindsay Kaplan and Carolyn Childers, the co-founders of Chief, a Tribeca sanctum where women from a variety of industries can go for what they say is an unprecedented support system. And yes, men are allowed too, so long as they're aligned with the mission, equality in the C-suite. Andy Cohen, Mark Laurie, and Christian Siriano are just three gents who have been invited to this super-secret chief headquarters. Lindsay and Carolyn invited me as well. Here's the conversation that transpired. All right. Just gonna leave. We're going to do it NPR style. This is what I call NPR style. They, they just use their phones. No microphone. And it picks up pretty well. I did a, the last podcast I did. The sound quality is pretty well. So, uh, but if you can, if maybe just for... Are you going to ask us to lean in? Yeah, lean in. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no pun intended. I was, I, you beat me to it. I was just about to say it. I was like, oh, yeah. All right, so I'm with uh, Carolyn Childers and Lindsay Kaplan of Chief. How is your day going so far? Another day at the office here at Chief? It's, uh, it's a great day. Um, it's always a great day to be a powerful woman. <laughs> that, is, that is a great way to tee off this podcast. Uh, you told me there's some construction going on in the back. Um, it's Obviously, you wouldn't think that there would be any construction needed in this place because it's, it's amazing, but you're Thank expanding. You. Yep. What's yes. the expansion process? Well, the room that we are sitting in right now hosts our core groups. So um, we can talk more about, about core, but we are now um, closing in on so many members that we needed to make another space for our members to meet. So we are creating another room in the back. Um, our core groups, Carolyn, do you want to talk about core? Sure. Yeah. I think maybe just to take a step back and talk about Chief more broadly. Um, So Chief really focuses in on women, um, senior executive women, um, which as Lindsay and I got more senior in our careers, realized um, that there was kind of a void of a community and network for us to, we were spending all of our time mentoring other people and managing our teams and just didn't really actually feel like we had a place to go to anymore to get resources. Um, And it's kind of ironic because it's when you need it the most. You're making bigger decisions um, that'll impact uh, the company more. Your own work-life balance is becoming harder and harder to navigate. Uh, And it just felt like there was a void in resources for that moment. Um, Well, my first question was going to be how you two met because I know from collaborating with folks it's very difficult to even get you know a podcast series off the ground if if someone's not on board like you need someone to uh, bounce ideas off of you need to get along with that person how did you guys first get together and discuss chief and think let's team up and this is a great idea so Lindsay and I are both um Veterans within the New York City startup world. Um, So we've been at a number of events together in the past. I think the first one that we actually met at was a women's event, actually. It was not the best. It was not great. (laughs) Um, What made it not great? um, There was no ability for people to connect, to truly talk to one another. Um, It was was another panel. 
It was just another panel that we met at where you show up, you listen to the panel, there's no rhyme or reason why you yourself as a powerful woman are not on the panel, and then there's no regular cadence to meet those people again. So Carolyn and I happened to bump into each other. We met, we had a lot of people in common, which is actually why we got put back together again, Mm -hmm. because we um, had those friends in common. But that panel, which I think had the potential to be great, was meh. Yeah. Now, did they, was it like one of those typical, okay, break sessions where you guys can go and mingle with like over like a cocktail no, table or something? it was more of a like dinner panel type of thing. Uh-huh. Um, so it was actually very limited opportunity for people to get to know each other and much more about the speaker. Um, and so... Um, as we, you know, were navigating these challenges ourselves, I really started to think about this concept. There's a few other businesses out there that I think we took inspiration from. And as I started to think, well, women's professional networks, unfortunately, have a little bit of a, a, a dated feel, like a corporate yeah. dated feel. And I cringe when I hear women's professional network. Yeah. I have a visceral, <laughs> cringy reaction, uh, which is sad because I'm a woman. I love professional networking. I like to mentor, but when I hear that phrase, for whatever reason, it gives me this weird, uncomfortable feeling of, meh, I don't want to go to that. And so Lindsay obviously helped to disrupt the mattress category from a brand perspective and was pretty innovative at Casper of of helping to redefine what a mattress business was. And so couldn't think of a better partner uh, as we were trying to tackle this uh, women's professional network category and redefining what that looks like for people as well. So in a very New York uh, category too, because Casper is a, is a big company that has just reached unicorn status, I guess, in New York. Mm-hmm. So, is, was that just a natural progression for Chief, like bringing bringing a New York uh, network here, or building the, a New York network? The goal has always been to be uh, bigger than New York. Okay. So, we are starting here. Carolyn and I are New Yorkers. We are from New York. Our network is in New York. Um, there are, I believe. 800,000 women who are um, VP plus in New York. So it's a huge market, huge demand we've found. But our goal is to be bigger than New York. And we have a wait list that has women on it from everywhere from L.A., Boston to Buenos Aires. Originally read that there were 500 members. How quickly has membership spiked since then? So we launched in January. I'm sorry, we 200, 200 women. 200. Yeah. Um, and our and plan was actually maybe we can launch with 75, 100 as we started talking. And just from word of mouth alone, we were actually surprised that as we launched in January, it was 200. Yeah. It was double what we had anticipated. Yeah. And since then, we've grown to the 500 that you talk about. Um, I think the, but the amazing part is that we've really been slowing our own growth to make sure that we can really invest in the experience for all of our first members. And so we have a wait list of about 4,500 people um, that, uh, you know, most of them are in New York, but to Lindsay's point, they are across all of the big cities uh, and smaller cities of the U.S. So it's a real um, offering that I think has resonated with people. because it goes beyond what a typical women's professional network yeah. means, um, which is what Lindsay was leading me to at the very beginning of, you know, what is it that you actually get as you join Chief as a member? Right, and that was one of my questions. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, 
how do you um, differentiate yourselves yeah. from the, those other networks where people like Lindsay like make make a face or like a, like a, uh, it doesn't yeah. sit well with them? Like how what's what's unique about Chief? Yeah, for us it actually really goes into a place we joke that it's more about professional wellness combined with the network. Okay. Um, where the core of what we do is what we call core groups, um, which is a peer group model. You meet with eight to ten individuals on a four to six week cadence um, with an executive coach in the room. And it's like executive coaching on steroids. Um, so <laughs> it's you not only build like a tremendous relationship yeah. with the other people in the room, but you actually have the ability to tackle the biggest professional and personal challenges that you're facing with more than just an executive coach to give you that feedback, but a group of eight peers um, that can help you navigate from their own perspective and experience as well. Um, and these are very senior, tenured women that are that are meeting with each other. So they do come from a place of experience. It's not just a, well, I think this. It's, well, when that happened to me, yeah. this is like one way that I thought was a really... Uh, better way of handling that. Um, and we purposefully cross-pollinate from different industries, from different roles and functions. Yeah, because so, at first it was a little tech-leaning, but now it's, uh, are you guys beyond we, tech? We actually, so we assumed pre-launch, based off of our network, it would be tech-leaning. We found that um, the demand for what we are doing far exceeds our expectation of just staying within startup world. So even at launch, we are in, I mean, women from every industry, from fashion, retail, e-commerce, business banking, um, CBG, name a, I would say this, name a big company that you've heard of in New York and probably one of their senior women is a member of Chief. Okay, so you said that there's a, a waiting list though. So yes. just because a woman may have five thousand dollars to spend on like a subscription or a membership rather. Yep. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that she's she gets in. Does it there's is there uh, there's gotta be a, a corporate or entrepreneurship uh, background to the applicants or no so I think the the real um, things that we make sure to focus on we want to make sure that it is a vetted community of um, senior executives so we okay. really do want to make sure that they have the experience and the um, you know uh, tenure to be able to be peers amongst each other. Um, so there is a little bit of a vetting that we do off of that. But the other part is actually much more around, like, what are you looking to do as you come into this organization? Like, we don't want somebody to come in and sell to right, right, right. Um, the member and recruit our members and, and everything else. So it's really much more of the qualitative aspects of what are you what are the challenges that you're facing what are you looking to join this community for um, that is the key to our vetting process um, I think the you know the 4500 people that are on the wait list in some ways um, I think two-thirds of them qualify in terms of level of seniority and um, you know level of responsibility that they have achieved. For us, it's actually just more about wanting to make sure we can invest so much into these first cohorts of, of members and making sure that their experience is amazing yeah. that we are just slower in bringing people on um, than I think we could be. So. Well, one of the reasons why I was so interested in just being in meeting you guys and just seeing the space, Chief just sounded like such a badass name. Like, how did you come up with the name Chief? It's like that's why I think I think hail to the chief when I when I hear yeah. it. like I think of like a tribe like a 
like an exclusive group. It's just a powerful lady tribe. Does it feel male to you when you hear chief? No, not necessarily. As a a reporter, I have editors-in-chief. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of my editors have been women, so maybe maybe that's why my head, I didn't think... Didn't go there. Didn't go masculine because, yeah. Well, even as we were doing the ideation, a number of people that we would talk to would say, "Uh, doesn't that feel a little male? And it was why we chose it, um, that it shouldn't, because it is chief executive officer, chief... Uh, COO, CEO, CMO, like all of these titles, um, they shouldn't feel masculine. Right. Um, and chief as a word does connotate power and level of responsibility. Yeah. And it's the double entendre then with the our mission, which is to drive more women into that C-level mm-hmm. and taking more of those titles that have chief associated with them. Um, so it worked really well for us. And it's just, you're right, it's a bad and so did it come out of that initial reaction to that uh ypo group what's it the the, um the the youth president's young president's organization that was like 90 percent male was it like sort of like a response like an angry response to that definitely not angry ypo is for presidents and ceos and 90% of presidents and CEOs are men. And so it's no fault of YPO that the service that they offer is a reflection of what the C-suite currently looks like. Um, did they gear a lot of their like events and, and stuff? I don't know too much about them. They actually just... do a really good job of being inclusive of the whole family. Okay. So I, you know, I don't think that anything that we do is a, a retaliation or no. in, a, in a place of anger. I think I just we were think inspired they, by yeah. what they've built for CEOs, and again, nothing existed for this level of VP, where I really was looking for support, and I realized personally, I had a calendar full of lunches and coffees and meetings with women that I was helping, and I wasn't doing anything to help myself, and I was super stressed. I had no inner circle of women that I felt like I could talk to about what was going on in my career, and we built Chief in part to fill that void that didn't exist. So there is a lot of support for CEOs, and there's a lot of support for people who are coming into the workforce. But again, once you hit this level of VP plus as a woman, we wanted to create this, um, I guess, brotherhood in a way, a sisterhood of women to help raise each other up and create lines of succession into the C-suite and then hold them there. Because so many women who finally make it into that CEO position get thrown off what is called the glass cliff, that we figure this great net of powerful women across different industries, across different roles, would help both build and keep women in those positions of power. Yeah. And that is badass. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. <laughs> but it, And it's not just... It's not just all women in the sense that there's a lot of programming where men you are men are invited, correct? Like, is there are there? Because you just said before we walked into this awesome room. There's books here that you know, not just geared towards women. Like somebody whoever designed the room was like, oh, you want books that are right, just design, by female our authors. Our designer assumed we just wanted <laughs> books by women. Right. I read books by everybody. Right. And right, I right. want to see a great <laughs> representation of what it is a multifaceted, right. real intellectual driven woman wants to read, which includes 
probably majority, a small majority of books by women. Yes. But our well, I just I look up and there's you know Rembrandt in America. You have a, a book about Bowie over there, <laughs> yeah. which is awesome. Uh, New York books, uh, Diane Arbus right there. And we believe that being inclusive means that men should be participatory in the conversation. So we accept everybody who is aligned with our mission. Right. Um, if you'd like to join Chief and you truly believe that you um, fit the qualifications of being that VP plus as well as uh, personally identify with the reason to be here, we welcome all to apply. And we would love men to be participatory in the conversation. So we had a private dinner with Mark Laurie, um, CEO of Jet. He's CEO of Walmart e-commerce. Um, Christian Siriano, the designer, we are doing a private dinner with him tonight. Um, Where are you going for dinner? We are hosting here. dinner here uh-huh. with 15 of our members. Awesome. So in addition to those core groups that meet um, every four to six weeks, and that's almost an inner sanctum of yeah. people that we've handpicked to come together with a career coach, we also have a lot of events that happen in our clubhouse um, that makes up the other few services we offer. So it's the core groups. We have what we call our salon series. So we have amazing events where it's not a bullshit panel. Right. Where you kind of sit there and think, why am I here? What a waste of time. Yeah. We had, like I said, dinner with some amazing people. We've had Lindsay Vaughn, Whoopi Goldberg here. Um, the space itself is a lovely amenity for our members. It's a place where they can have a cup of coffee. They can take a meeting. It allows us to host the core groups as well as our events. And then finally, everybody is um, connected online as well. You know, it was interesting. when I, As soon as I walked in, I felt a different vibe, not because of, of the chief mission, but like... It just, I, I expected something like a, almost like we work feely, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I'm so happy that it's not that. Like all these uh, networking pl- um, places or, or co-working facilities, they all feel the same. Like mm-hmm. these, like they try to be like super cool and, and you know, casual. But you, I walk in, there's a piano, there's a <laughs> bar, Glenn Fittich. Like it's, it's amazing. So yeah. like what went into the design of the place, the look and the feel? Yeah. Well, it's not co-working space first and foremost it is truly a clubhouse for our members to come here to schmooze with each other um, they are more than welcome to set up shop if they do want to work out of here okay. but all of our members are busy people with jobs with offices so really we don't have the type of member that wants to be here plugged in all day yeah. she's busy and she's in meetings if you Her, think about what we're actually trying to do um, and what like the core of the experience is which is to create a place where somebody can go and have an authentic, real conversation, take their mask off and just say, like, this is what I'm dealing with right now and I need a community of people to to interact with. Moving away from something that feels, um, you know, that feels much, moving towards something that feels much more residential, feels much more like I'm going into my best friend, my potentially rich best friends. Yeah, and that's what it feels Um, like. I feel like I'm in a really cool, uh, classy living room. Yeah, Yeah. and the goal was for her to come in and feel like if she wants to tuck her feet up on the couch, if she wants to drop her high heels off, (laughs) this is a calm, chill place for her to feel relaxed and for her to almost slump a little bit and sigh and have a really comfortable coffee, drink, conversation that feels authentic more than anything else. Because I think she's dealing with a lot of stress, and if she's like me, she's dealing with a lot of bullshit. 
<laughs> and this is a great place for her to not feel stressed out. Um, and we try to have no BS here. So if I, that's that's a good point too, because I, I remember uh, at my uh, previous uh, reporting job, I used to go to like a lot of these networking events uh, for private equity investors. There were few and far between uh, women who were attending these events. Mm -hmm. And the few that were there, I remember one trip I was on, I forget, I think it might have been Philly, where um, I was just chatting them up at the, in, in, the, in the networking portion, and they're like, oh, you have no idea how, how awful these events are. We just get hit on all the time. Like no, it just it, we don't get taken seriously. Yeah. So it's and this was a few years ago, so it's not that long ago. But yeah. I guess since like that really opened up my eyes. Like it's got to be really tough to, for women to even like go into these networking events with with investors, and immediately they they have they they just they find each other. The few of them that do attend these events, they find each other and where they they support each other in, in that space. But now yeah. this is an opportunity for. You know, we know that feeling. Like, like come in here, and and you can meet. You're not alone. I think essentially, it's, it's the feeling. You just hit the nail on the head. It's the feeling of being an only. Yeah. As a woman, whether you're at a networking event, whether you're sitting in the boardroom table, and you are the one or two women there, yeah. that we really wanted to create a community of people that could completely dismantle that feeling of loneliness, yeah. which stops women from getting into power. It's the network. Yeah. It's the um, imposter syndrome that comes with it. It is the um, knowledge that studies show that having a small inner circle as women increases ability to um, advance in your career. These are all things that we wanted to really create with the community. The space itself um, we always say that uh, there are a lot of places that um, there's a space that really tries to create a community within that space. We have an amazing community of members, and the space gives them a place where they can kind of come and meet. Yeah, and I guess from from the uh, man's perspective, a lot of men have to. The, the diversity is big for them, and they want to. And but it's maybe they they're not. Um, they want to expand outside their network. Can they use Chief as sort of a way to meet uh, women executives and 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 women uh, who are involved in business to sort of bring them in on their team as sort of a networking opportunity? Is that something that Chief can do? I think down the line we're definitely open to things like that. Um, I think ultimately what you know where we start like a mixer of. of Folks yeah. in business, yeah. yeah. Um, I think where we started was on the services that Lindsay described, which yeah. is you know those core groups, the events, the clubhouse, and then the digital community. Um, but I think that the ability for um, us to figure out how we connect with the you know broader landscape, especially the broader corporate landscape, yeah. Um, most of the women that are a part of this community are sponsored by their companies, so you already have you know maybe their their female boss or their male boss that is already sponsoring them in and a lot of them are doing it with the idea of how can we you know tap into this network give you the opportunity to invest in yourself but also like use this network to change things within our company um, and bring some of those connections and learnings back into the company how was it uh, I want to get uh, I'm going to switch gears to the the, um, the VC side of things because yeah, is, is, is more VC being raised I think you raised am I I forgot how much it was. Three million. Yeah, we raised three million in August of last year. I don't think we. I think we announced it in like October or November. Was um, it easy to pitch this sort of thing to VC firms? 
Um, you know, I think that the uh, there's a lot of people that talk about networks and talk about women specific networks mm-hmm. that um, you know I think it was really important for us to figure out how we differentiate from that um, and not be a part of uh, that same conversation. Okay. So, uh, but I think what was most interesting. Um, or what has been most interesting is how much traction we have shown coming out of launch that uh, a lot of those conversations change now. Yeah. And how <laughs> so? we ha- well, we, if you look at our member base, we have some of the most impressive, amazing women of New York City that are now a testament to yeah. the fact that this is a different offering than um, uh, some of the other alternatives that are out there. And I think that that has given more momentum to some of the conversations with uh, the VC community as well. But they want to be members themselves, probably. Like, because you have like folks at uh, Flybridge and Excel and yeah. X Factor. Like, do, maybe they. Uh, what what kind of feedback did they give? That we want a place where we want to go. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that there was, um, you know, uh, certain investors that are a part of our initial. Um, you know, cap table that yeah. uh, are both members and investors and very engaged on both fronts. Um, and I think there are even more members that are a part of VCs that aren't on that list yeah. that I think are experiencing it themselves and realizing how engaged all of our members are that, um, you know, it's a different conversation now as we've started to really show the, show some traction. So, so happy with the people that we have on the list, but um, I think are um, the fact that we have far exceeded expectations coming out of the gate has been um, great momentum for us. And as we think about what we want to do next, um, we're obviously in New York City, yeah, Yeah. but um, have plans to really go and and launch across all of the major cities in the U.S. in the upcoming year. And so, yeah, I think there's there's an opportunity to engage with that community again and and see what's next. So hit the hit the the financing. What do they call it? The financing trail or the the campaign fundraising trail? (laughs) Is that does that require? How much do you think you guys would look for to say move to? I don't know. I'm just throwing out Boston or Philadelphia. Toronto. I don't know. Is, is there a city involved, and, and how much do you think you might try to raise? And if you want to disclose, it's fine. Yeah, Just curious. I think it's probably too early in the process for us to speak specifically on that. I will say the demand for us to get to these cities yeah. is really changing our dialogue internally about our timeline and, and when we want to get there. Yeah. Um, we have seen so much. Just we clearly struck a nerve with this base. Like these women were so excited to join Chief, to be in Chief. Our members are referring in so many people that I think our original, you know, as we were fundraising, I think there was a little bit of skepticism of how many women actually wanted this. And um, it's been incredible. Who who, who was skeptical about that? Was it the men? men or women. I think there was some skepticism. Um, yes, I think more men were skeptical on on not being a woman. Did women really need this? Um, but I would also say that there's, like, the women VCs, I think, get pitched on a lot of women businesses. Yeah. And so I think there's also the, you know, how are you different from this, um, particularly because they see all of them. Um, so I think that there was, um, you know, it, I wouldn't say it was just a you know, male VC lack of understanding of a women's perspective. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but it was, you know, there's 
pushback that I think we got on either side. Um, and all of that pushback, I think we have proven wrong coming out of the gate with such an amazing group of initial members. But just because the, the, nobody wants to be that exclusive or like, what, what was some of that pushback? And then how did you be like, well, we're going to prove you wrong. Was it that, was it that type of attitude? Well, I also think there's the, the chicken and the egg problem too. Of, you know, you, uh, your product is the network and who is a part of that network is the is what you're selling um, and in early days you kind of have to prove out that chicken and egg problem yeah. um, and I think what was amazing has been that um, the need and desire here was so strong that that didn't actually manifest itself the very first day that we went out and actually um, you know opened up membership I don't want to disclose her name, but a pretty iconic woman off of a cold email was like, I am in. I am really? 100% in. Um, a cold email. So I think that there's like real need here um, that uh, we knew and felt as being, you know, women that were sitting in those seats. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that there's just been such an overwhelming, amazing response. So the women who have joined are C-level from... Walmart, from HBO, uh, women from companies that are just absolutely incredible, that support these women, that want them to join, and have sponsored their membership because they believe in the power of this network. Right, and that's another thing. A lot of these companies... We're doing some construction. (laughs) They didn't believe it until we heard Uh, but I, so I, that's a good point. So a lot of times these companies are sponsoring the membership. Mm-hmm. So so someone it doesn't have to, uh, I guess, hurt one's pocket. Well, well, if you think about how much it costs to get a personal executive coach, yeah. it's over ten thousand dollars for a full year of executive coach. I would have no idea about that, yeah. <laughs> but that sounds about right. Yeah, and, and that's most, on the cheaper side. That's too. on the cheaper side, um, and most. Or if you think about you know um, certain events that you go to, it can be. Oh my gosh, one conference could be eight k, right? That and that doesn't even include travel and hotel. So yeah. you can easily spend over ten thousand dollars for a two or three day conference. conference. Right. So when you look sometimes at those, even in for New Yorkers who live here, they yes. still got to go to those con- uh, those conferences yes. and cost money. Yeah. Yes. So you look at those as the alternatives of okay, I can sponsor her to go to this event. I can pay you know double to send to get her a um, personal executive coach, or it could I could pay for her and sponsor for her to go into this. Um, Community, which not only provides the executive coaching like aspects, mm-hmm. but all of these other benefits, particularly the benefit of having a robust network of other women that um, truly can be an amazing resource for her on an ongoing basis. So we have a, a just a, a one minute left. I want to keep it within the thirty minute mark. Great. Uh, if we can go a little bit more, I won't. I won't take up too much more time. But we're not naming members specifically. But that's. I just want to make that clear. So like the membership is very. What's the exclusive part of this group? Like we didn't really disclose who's a member. Uh, I know you've mentioned a couple of companies like Walmart. Mm-hmm. Who else? Who else can we can we talk about? Like is there? And if you're not going to name names, what other companies are our members here? Have members in chief. Yeah, I mean, I think Lindsay summed it up best, which is if you truly named any company that has a footprint in New York City, 
and there are a lot. Yeah. That. I mean, I, I would be happy to name some companies because those companies are proud to be a part. Yeah. Um, so I'm just off the top of my head, yeah, Google, they, Facebook, like they have big offices yes, here. Yeah. Yes, and we have members from Google and Facebook. <laughs> okay. We have members from SoulCycle. We have members from IDEO. We have members from, oh, you can start naming brands. Um, IBM. Johnson & Johnson, IBM. Yeah. And, and some positions that I think are like, Kind of amazing and cool. There are uh, chief chiefs. We have chief a lot chiefs. of chiefs. What's yeah. a chief chief? We have chiefs who are chiefs. <laughs> oh, we have chiefs who are VPs. We have chiefs who are, you know, EVPs. And we have a lot of chief chiefs. 40% of our members are C-level executives. Yeah. So, uh, so let's end it on this. Uh, what's coming up? Like if you had, if like a, a woman is listening to this podcast right now, what programs are on, on the docket? that maybe she wants to sign up today and and, uh, and look you guys up after listening to this? What, what's planned? The biggest reason she should join is because we will put her into that peer group of 10 women who she should walk out of that room feeling like, oh my God, they get it. Finally, I'm in a room with people who get it, who get what I'm going through personally, professionally, and I now have a think tank and personal professional sounding board coupled with a professional executive coach. That is the biggest reason that our members love Chief and that they want to join. Okay. We also have a lot of fun events and workshops. <laughs> we have media training. We have executive presence. Um, we have Andy Cohen who's speaking. Um, in when, a when's weeks. he coming in? He's coming early May. Yep. Um, we have an amazing roster of speakers that are always coming into Chief. Um, we are hoping to dip, bring in some politicians soon as we gear up into the primaries. Um, that was, that was another question space. I had. Was, mm-hmm. is, is how political are we going to get going into the next two years? And I'm, I'm not a political reporter, and, and quite frankly, they want me to steer away from that sort of thing. But I have to ask, because it's interesting to me, uh, we're going into uh, the, the 2020 election. Yeah. How many, and there's so many candidates, they're going to come into town. Do they have a place, a sounding board as well for chief? Could, would they be welcomed here? Like, we have a, we believe in Warren. cognitive diversity. We'd love to bring in as many people who would like to speak about their um, platform yeah. with our members. And it, it, so, it, but is there a specific agenda like, like uh, liberals, conservatives alike, or do, how welcome no, I think is that, Yeah, I think that's what she means by cognitive diversity. Of you know, we uh, want to have a dialogue across every different spectrum, and by allowing that dialogue, it allows for people to broaden their perspectives. Yeah. Um, so, I don't think we come at it from a um, you know, uh, a personal place where we have our, we want to infuse our perspectives into it. We actually just want to give access for people to uh, engage however and as much as they can. That that being said, our mission is to achieve equality in the C-suite. And so we prefer candidates who are coming in who align (laughs) with our mission, right? So that is probably a qualifying factor for us. Um, And I think most most politicians do believe in that as well. Of course. And I, I could just see that being a part of the dialogue in the next two to three years. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a good place to leave off. Great. I think our future president should be a chief member. Yeah. <laughs> Hail to the chief, indeed. There you go. Great way to cap this off. Yes. Uh, thank you, Lindsay yeah. and Carolyn. I appreciate that. Thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you for having me.